What's going on, you fuckers? Uh, thanks for listening to another installment of the Use Guys in That podcast. Uh, once again, those of you, it is November. Uh, our sexy other host is still finding Christ in the woods or whatever, writing his magnum opus, or I don't know. He, he should be back. He's manifesto. <laughs> he's going to come back with a really long beard, and he's going to be talking about blowing shit up. But not really. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, have like a fucking bird nestled in his beard. <laughs> right. His hair is going to be yeah. like three times as froey. I want him to come back looking like Moses, like like fucking Charlton Heston did in the Ten <laughs> Commandments with the white stripes in his hair and talk. I think it'd be a lot more fun if he came back looking like, uh, what's his name? Is it Radagast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the what is it? The the brown wizard or the red wizard yeah. or whatever he is from uh far too many wild mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, Gandalf the Grey's brother or whatever. Um yeah, that that would be great if he did. Uh before we get started, I don't want to forget, uh please check out our premier sponsor, Agoras Nexus, at agorasnexus.com, which is a website listing for those who are free thinkers that offer loads of products from seeds to ebooks, customized publishing crypto coffee and more check them out at agorasnexus.com they also have a podcast and they are our friends so please patronize them now those of you i've talked to you guys before if you have been paying attention i absolutely I, you know how you get those rogue emails from you know some fucker that wants you to you know hey listen uh we just charged you x amount of dollars and if you don't send five hundred thousand dollars immediately you're going to lose your subscription please send us money mm -hmm. and call this ridiculous phone number well in the past, I've I've deleted these, but I've encouraged the audience to engage, which I read before uh, my response. Well, there there has been yet another one, and if you want to contact this individual, um, his uh, uh, email address is going to be listed here as Michael Tur. Uh, it's T U R. Okay, Michael, and the email address, excuse me, is Michael ninety two oh six Tur. T U R at gmail.com. This is the address that I got this from. Okay. So here we go. You're going to enjoy this. Now, when I enunciate louder, it's because the word that I'm reading has been put into bold. Uh, you'll see there's a random selection of words <laughs> that they've bolded. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. This is to me, by the way. Dear user, thanks for your yearly renewal. We have successfully charged. Your $548.27 U.S. dollars for the yearly renewal of your Norton online subscription. If you have any concerns or dispute or want to cancel your yearly subscription, call, call us to our customer support number within five hours at 1-000-000-000-000. -0 -0 -0 -0 -0 -0 -0 uh, call us now to cancel your subscription and get a refund of $575. Call us now. Another phone number at 1-859-350-1259. Sincerely, Norton Billing Department. And once again, that phone number with the one and the 10 zeros behind it is uh, is the phone number. So, <clears throat> so uh, naturally, I responded because I enjoyed this opportunity. Uh, to write creatively, but also to insult and to damage. <laughs> and it makes me feel good. Don't laugh because Angel's going to ruin the party because she starts laughing and then I lose it and then we're all going to lose it. And then I'm not, I'm never going to get through this. Okay. I, so I'll try do your best. Okay. It's not to laugh. Okay. <clears throat> so my reply, my retort, as it were, 
Michael, thanks for the email, but this is the last straw. I have not forgotten the injustice you committed when you sexually assaulted my cat during the first night of Hanukkah last year. As a matter of fact, I've been waiting for this moment since then. You ran like a coward when I discovered that you had what you had done to Mittens. Additionally, you stole my 1987 blue T-top IROC Z28 Hot Wheel from my dresser. I also didn't appreciate the fact that you shoved the only eggplant I had in the house up your ass when you knew I was making eggplant parmesan for dinner. You think you're funny. Well, your reign of terror is at an end. Meet me at the park by my house. You know the one. It's the one you ran into with the eggplant in your ass. And we will settle our differences with a sword fight. The terms. Should you win, which is highly unlikely, I will allow you to keep my Hot Wheel. And I will also provide you with a 15-inch black rubber cock so you can stop using eggplants, along with $18.32. When I defeat you, you will return my IROC Z28. Give me five eggplants that you have not shoved in your ass nor any other asshole. And in addition, an additional five Hot Wheels of my choice from your collection. You will also provide cat counseling for mittens for the crime you committed against him, scumbag. You can- <laughs> You can accept these terms and meet your destiny or cower in fear, cat fucker. <laughs> That's a good way to end it, man. Yeah, you, you have you, you like to like challenge people to to sword duels. I, I think scammers, man. Right? I, I like that. I think it's an honorable way to settle our debt. Diff- I mean, it is, you know, you know, you, you lose and you die, it's because you suck. Good. <laughs> That's it. So that was my response to that shitty attempt at, um, you know, getting access to the 500 and some dollars for my Norton subscription, which they kind of give away for free. Um, Speaking of shit. Now, you know, on this show, we're good for shit jokes, poop jokes, things like that. But pump the brakes. Don't get too excited. I know some of you get upset. You know, really go when they start talking about it. Well, that person probably doesn't listen anymore. So I'm not really with it. Probably not. Yeah. We haven't had any guests in a while. Um, We had a guest last week, didn't we? I mean, like guests that they like. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, So Joe Biden, who has dementia, uh, met uh, the other the other pedophile in charge in Rome, uh, the Bishop of Rome, known as Pope Francis, um, Pope Francis in, in the Vatican in italy uh and uh apparently there was a big what to do Uh, there's going to be in the thumbnail for the show the president of the united states wore two different suits for the visit and people are speculating there's a reason for that that joe shat himself in the vatican so this article will be in the show notes like all of them are not that any of you click on them and that's fine too it's hashtag poopy pants Biden trends on social media after rumors emerge of Joe Biden suffering a bathroom accident at the Vatican. Uh, let's go through this. Uh, poopy, pant, poopy pants Biden trending on social media after former Nevada Republican chairman Amy Tarkanian. What a great last name, Tarkanian. Claimed that there are rumors floating in Rome that U.S. President Joe Biden had a bathroom accident during his meeting with the chief pedophile at the Vatican. Quote, I know we often joke about this, but the but this is the actual rumor going around Rome now. 
I don't know where she's getting her rumor mill from Rome. Like somebody, like there's just people walking the streets, eavesdropping, and be like, ah, <laughs> boppity boop, did you hear that the president of the United States? He make a shit in his pants at the Vatican. I don't know if that's what's happening. I, there's, there's some inside information. Maybe one of the Swiss guard is like texting from behind like his sword or whatever. Like, hey, I just so you know the president shat himself with the boss. Um, Amy Tarkanian said associate editor at The Spectator, Damian Thompson, said that he heard the same from a, quote, excellent source. So then in this article, there's a screenshot of the tweet. Uh, the word around Rome is that Biden's meeting with the Pope was unusually long because Biden had a bit of a bathroom accident at the Vatican, and it has to be addressed prior to him leaving. Um, and then Damian replies, I heard this from an excellent source. Subsequently, hashtag poopy pants Biden began to trend on Twitter. Joe Biden has been under the scanner in recent months due to health concerns. Really, uh, rumors of the bathroom accident once has once again brought up the same into the spotlight. Right. Because it never went away. Uh, people on social media have heavily criticized and mocked the U.S. president over the rumored accident. Let me tell you something, guys. I'm if I'm pretty sure that something happened. Uh, what happened? Maybe he made a pee pee in his pants. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. So now it says it's not clear whether the hashtag is trending because users genuinely believe that Joe Biden excreted in his pants or if they find the rumors to be plausible. The answer is yes. Uh, it could also be the case that the hashtag is trending because users find it obscenely funny or either a combination of all three. Once again, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes to all of the above. Correct. Uh, whatever be the reason, the hashtag was one of the top trends in the USA. Could you imagine being his, his like social media manager and be like, hey, um, Joe, this president, um, you know how you, you made a number two uh, with the Pope? Well, right. make it funny. It's trending on Twitter. It's, it's, on it's tw trending on Twitter, Mr. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, it's brutal. So there's that poopy story. Once again, that will be in the show notes. Um. I, I think that it's possible. It's probable that he did make a toilet in his pants. Um, when you make it a toilet, he make it a toilet in his pants. <laughs> maybe he had some of the man he got with regat that was no good, you know, on Air Force mm. One. Mm. Rotten regat. Listen, you know, I, regat. I hate I, you know, guys. I the make a fun of the elderly is not my cup of tea, but this man is abs. It's just so easy. Because it's so painfully obvious that the man has, I've said, Joe, shit your pants with dementia, Biden, on this show many times. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like it's, you know, the prophecy is, is being revealed. You know what I mean? I've seen that, that video of him where I forget where, like some news network or whatever, somebody was asking him a question. And he's like standing there, like clenching his fist, like holding him out. Like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Man. That's a clear like, indication. That's like, right? Like, that's not normal. Like, no, not at all. Even like on a fur, that is just, that's not like normal people don't do that. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Like, the only person I can remember doing that was Bob Dolan. I think he had a stroke. Remember, he used to. Yeah, he always carried a pen. Yeah. In his hand, right? Yeah, but he, he had yeah. a stroke. So, yeah. Um, it gets worse uh, for him, not for us. This is endless material entertainment for this show. So this is from a periodical of semi-note. I'm sure you've heard of it before. It's called Forbes. Uh, Sleepy Joe trended after Biden appeared to not. Okay, let me correct this headline. I watched the video. There's no appeared. That man fell a fucking sleep. 
he was out like he was in a deep sleep at the climate conference and and this has happened before even when obama was president he's like sleeping behind him and like speeches and stuff like this is not like a new development he's always falling asleep i agree with that i agree with that and furthermore uh you know mr trump the disgraced former president who tried to lead a coup on january 6th with fully armed individuals who took over the government and stopped uh, quote democracy from happening uh it, nothing happened it was a it was a riot um trump never fell asleep anywhere and i think it's because he has prescription medication like methamphetamine like amphetamine excuse me like amphetamine like you know the stuff that like adderall or something i think trump is like on adderall that's why he's so fired up all the time you know because it's not like he works out or eats healthy i mean we all know that that's not the case he also claims to not drink or do drugs which probably is true uh because his obsession but you know he eats steak well done with fucking ketchup i mean that is questionable behavior that is questionable behavior I mean, you don't even do that at a fucking Taco Bell with the carne asada. Like, that's not something you do. Right. Come on. Come on, man. Um, So this article, once again, is from Forbes. It says, I love it. The cover that even Forbes is running here. We've probably all been there at some time, dozing off briefly in school or during a presentation at work. Listen, Mm -hmm. I fall asleep in my car while it's running. While it's in drive, <laughs> while I'm on the road, okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> at work. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, they're I, called micro naps. <laughs> I could fall asleep during a thermonuclear war. Okay, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> Dude, me too, man. I feel that so much. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm tired all the time. Like yeah, I, I could. I could sleep through a, a fucking train getting derailed. Right. right, exactly, man. Like, that's, this is not, so, yes, I can relate to that. Also, I work on a loading dock, and I'm not the one with a nuclear football. Anyway, um, you think that with adequate medical care, he'd be able to get some rest, but that's not the point. Add in jet lag, right, because that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And back-to-back meetings, most of us would have a hard time not falling asleep. However, while it can result in a disappointed professor and an irate boss, catching a few Z's probably won't make the world news. That is unless your name is Joe Biden. (laughs) You happen to be caught on video during the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. To make matters worse, the 78-year-old dementia patient had warned U.S. military service members just this past summer that top Pentagon officials consider climate change to be a, the greatest threat to American national security. So when Biden was on video catching some Z's, reporters took notice. It was soon shared across social media. Um, Angel, can you blow up the screen and play that video, please, of um, poopy pants? Uh, falling asleep there do you see that yeah sure yeah go ahead um, i want i want christopher to be able to see this and those who are viewing the podcast and not catching it the audio i if you're listening trust me it's really funny um if you're watching please enjoy this presentation of the commander-in-chief of your united states falling asleep at this conference that's so fucking important go ahead roll Look at him. You have the chance to make the decisions and make the which will affect the lives of generations to come. 
You are in a position of extraordinary power. You can change forever. Watch, somebody comes up to tell him to wake up. Watch. Yes, full hope. This is my message from Earth to Cop. On behalf of We the Fifteen, I ask you. <laughs> there it is. God, could you imagine listening to that voice? I couldn't fall asleep listening to that individual talk. Bravo. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, so the President of the United States fell asleep at this climate conference that was of uh, the utmost importance to national security. Mm -hmm. So that's that's great, right? That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very little. Now, there's some big news here. I'm sure those of you that... I haven't been on Twitter that much lately, to be frank with you. I'm, I'm quite exhausted of it. I'll get on there and check out a few things. But, I mean, it's there's only so much yelling into the void that we can do. And I plan to be part of the void at the end of this earthly journey. So I'm not going to really scream into it at this point in time. Um, and I won't have the opportunity when it's over. Like I want the void to be fucking peaceful when I get there. <laughs> yeah. Not, not this screaming fest of, of things. So some big news. Big news uh, out of uh, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Republicans, for the first time in I don't know how long, have won uh, a statewide office. Uh, in fact, so we're going to take a look at this. So there's some five. There's five takeaways, and this is from a Hill magazine. We're going to see if we agree with these or not. Okay. So this is some interesting information. Of course, you guys know that I'm into this sort of thing because I like to see trends and you know, and predict and see how things are going. Now, the mo most of the time, the president will lose their, their party will lose the majority if they have it in the House they're, 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 um, during the first midterm election. All right. The only exception being of recent memory was George Bush in 2002, uh, where they, they held the majority and grew it. But also that was post 9-11 and during the plastic patriotic fervor of going to war uh, with the wrong people. Um, and not catching the guy that allegedly killed 3,000 Americans, less than the total that uh, Andrew Cuomo killed uh, during the yeah. pandemic. Reminder. <laughs> Just a quick reminder. So this guy, Glenn Youngkin, won a stunning victory in Virginia on Tuesday, snatching the governor's mansion away from Democrats in a state that President Biden won by 10 points just a year ago. If you're a Democratic strategist, I would definitely be concerned. Uh, because this could be an accurate barometer of things to come, which I truly believe that's the case. Youngkin, a businessman and first-time candidate for office, defeated Terry McAuliffe, a communist and former governor, and a close ally of the Clinton crime family who has been a fixture in Democratic politics for decades. Okay, there you go. It's the first Republican statewide victory in the Commonwealth since 2009. So that's a pretty significant victory for these guys. Meanwhile, New Jersey Democratic incumbent uh, Governor Phil Murphy was locked in an unexpected dogfight with Republican challenger Jack Cattrelli, uh, uh, an Italian that stretched into the early hours. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, the Italian lost. Um, not a surprise there. They're surprised that, you know, even in uh, New Jersey, that there was such a fight for the governor's mansion because, you know, New Jersey is, you know, just, you know, a couple steps to the right of Karl Marx. Uh, I've been there. I have family there. Uh, there's a lot of great people there, but... If you've been to Newark, you've been to Patterson, a Passaic, if you've been to Jersey City, it's not the best place ever. I'm from I'm from Jersey City. So it's not it's not I can say these things. Not good. Not good. Uh, here's the first takeaway. Let's see what we think about this. A sharp rebuke for Biden. 
President Biden emphatically predicted a McAuliffe win on Tuesday uh, before in a news conference in Scotland before going on to say that a more adverse result should not be read as a rejection of his agenda. So let me break that down. First, he emphatically and, you know, emphatically, I think you got to need to explain what that means to our audience, predicted that a McAuliffe win. However, if his emphatic declaration of victory was inaccurate, which it turned out to be, it should not be read as a rejection of his agenda. Mm-hmm. Either way, shit your pants, Biden wins, right? You know, we're going to win, but if we don't, it don't matter. You know you know what I'm saying here? Um, the prediction was wrong, and the argument is implausible. That's, that's, I like that point. I think that's a fair point. Biden's easy win over Trump in Virginia 12 months ago is a distant memory now. The president's poll ratings in the Commonwealth are weak. Several recent polls have indicated that his approval number among Virginians is somewhere in the low 40s. Uh, we have listeners in Virginia. If you guys can correlate this and want to send us an email, use guys in that gmail.com. Even McAuliffe acknowledged in a gaffe he later tried to clean up that Biden was unpopular in the state. Isn't that funny? I think they call that a Freudian slip. Freudian slip, uh, Terry. The exact cause of that unpopularity is open to debate. But in a political climate where so many state contests are won and lost on national issues, Discontent with Biden and his administration was a millstone that McAuliffe did not have the political talents to lift. The problem for Biden is that Virginia is so is not so unusual. His national approval rating has sunk to about the same level. Biden has already been enduring a tough stretch of his presidency since the chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. And now he's faced with another bad story. A new round of Democratic backbiting has already begun. So let's take a look at that point. A sharp rebuke for Biden. I, I think that that's a fair statement. I think that it's, you know, these uh, people who went out and voted perhaps wanted to, um, I don't know, send a message that they weren't happy. But also we have to remember there was a lot of shit going on. Do you remember that the guy, uh, uh, was it, dude, is it Northrop, Governor Northrop, the one who dressed in blackface? Uh, he's the current boss that's now going to be replaced with this other guy. Okay. Um they were enacting a lot of anti-gun legislation to the point where even Vice News had to send the Soy Squad mm-hmm. out to Virginia to interview people and talk to them about these formation of militias and this right-wing resurgency and stuff. You know, anything that um, protests and overreach of your right to bear arms is clearly a right-wing overreach because left-wingers don't like guns at all, I'm sure. I'm being facetious, of course, mind you. Um I agree with this. I think that this is a pretty big rebuke because it's the candidate of the current boss's party and uh, the people have said, no, thank you. And uh, we'll get to who his lieutenant governor is. I think that it's a rather interesting story. I believe Angel and I discussed that CNN. Angel, do you remember watching that? Van Jones, the communist, uh, said that this was a um, uh, this. What what did he call it? Like, this is racism because. Education was a huge topic, and they said that the white racist parents... White supremacy. Uh, I've heard yes. that term thrown around. <laughs> yes, because they're mad at the teaching of critical race theory. Yeah. Um, I, um, I think that go- the guy who was running McAuliffe, who got defeated, said something along the lines that parents shouldn't have a say in what is taught to their children at school. That's really not something you want to say to voters. Wrong. <laughs> seriously so what do you let me go ahead state thinking that they own your children again man like people don't like that like hopefully i don't know like 
Yeah, hopefully it's the pendulum swinging back in the other direction, but we'll we'll see. You know, they're <laughs> like we'll see what goes on. I agree with that. What do you think, Angel? What do you think? I mean, I think that you know if they're going to talk about like critical race theory and education, they should really stop being racist themselves because in order to have that conversation you have to acknowledge that like you know everybody's kind of been racist towards white people lately and i'm not saying white people you know aren't racist towards other racists and whatever like you know what i mean like it happens i'm not but some people are right and like some people have a right to bitch i get it i'm not saying that they don't i'm just saying two wrongs don't make a right right okay so if we want to educate people about not being racist how about we just not be racist about it when we talk about the topic well right instead of using like a neo-marxist ideology (laughs) i don't have a problem with teaching kids first of all i don't think school should be in the hands of the state what did malcolm x say only a fool will let his enemies educate his children i agree Mm -hmm. with him 100 percent because i think i mean i'm a huge fan of malcolm x i think he's awesome uh, but I don't have a problem if you're going to teach individuals. Let's just keep it. Let's keep it within the scope of this discussion right. about what people are concerned about. Let's say I don't have a problem with saying, hey, kids, you know what? Bad things happen. See, your government sanctioned slavery mm-hmm. and uh, the system, uh, the systemic genocide of the native peoples of this country. Mm-hmm. OK, not good. Not good. Uh, we just want to talk about it. We want you guys to know about it. But see, once again, did you notice? I'm not saying yes. The government was comprised of white people. There's no, there's, there's no denying that. Uh, but remember, the, the the villain is the state. The state is the one who defended these policies, who enacted these policies, especially when it came to Native Americans, sanctioned slavery. Okay, these are all policies of government. Mm-hmm. Okay, that benefited a select group of individuals. And uh, I think that that's fine, but that's not going to be taught that way. If it was being taught that way, hey, listen, be very wary of those fuckers that your parents vote for because they, uh, you know, are inheriting institutions that were built by very evil individuals who did very evil things. Mm-hmm. Great. No problem. I, like I said, remember during the, the riots that we were having um, over uh, the George Floyd incident, the murder of that man? Yeah, we all talked about how you burn down all the fucking government buildings you want. I mean, have a ball, right? Yeah, good time. (laughs) Knock yourself the fuck out. (laughs) Not a problem. We have to remember who the villain is in the story, and that. But I don't think that that's what's being translated to the kids. Okay, and they don't bear any responsibility, nor does anybody alive right now have any responsibility for the atrocities that the state has either sanctioned or willingly participated in and orchestrated. So I think that's where I have an issue with it. At least that's my perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. teach the kids. Yeah, sure. But teach them that their government is not the good guy. Are you going to get that? Never, never. They're never going to tell the kids that shit. Okay. No, no. Cause they're a part of the government. <laughs> Correct. It's impossible. That's it's rooting against the home team. That's why you have this podcast. So tell the kids to listen. Uh, they might get some free soap. We don't know. Um, <laughs> Let's move on to this other point from the show. (laughs) Spooky season is over, but your asshole still might be. Uh, We're going to save that to the end. Uh, Democrats have a lot of work to do. Tuesday was a grim day for Democrats and not and only in Virginia. 
The closeness of the New Jersey race was a real shock and in a disappointment for progressives, a ballot measure to replace the Minneapolis Police Department with a new public safety agency went down to defeat in the city where George Floyd was murdered in May of 2020. Oh, gee. Big fucking surprise, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. There will, at a minimum, be renewed tensions between centrist and progressive Democrats. Centrists are already arguing that the results demonstrate a need to chart a more cautious course or face electoral disaster. The translation to that sentence, ladies and gentlemen, it takes no political science to tell you that the people who are at risk in risky and hot seats in certain parts of the country are worried about keeping their job. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about ideology. They're worried about keeping their job because their first priority is not to serve you, the idiot voter. It's to make sure they hold on to their seat and their privilege. Um, but the left is in no mood to trim its sails. A collective statement from several progressive groups, including Justice Democrats and the Sunrise Movement, released after midnight, branded the McAuliffe campaign as one that was designed to fail and, quote, no rebuttal to Republican race-baiting bullshit. Um, uh, this is going to be to their own demise. They're going to have they're going to rue those words. One thing's for sure, Republicans are, as of today, on course to take back control of Congress in next year's midterm elections. I'll start with uh, the last sentence in that. I completely agree. I think that the Democrats are going to get thrown out on their ass come next November. I mean, I just think it's cyclical. The best part about this as coming from our revolutionary perspective is as soon as the other party takes control, even if the other party has the Senate, and the dementia guy is still in charge at the at the big at the big house at 1600 Pennsylvania gridlock happens, which means we don't get fucked as hard because if they can't vote on shit and they can't get along and they can't get it past the executive laws don't get made. Nothing gets done. And hopefully they just argue with each other for another couple of years and leave us the fuck alone. Gridlock like is it. wonderful. Yes, I that's, like it. But do, that's what we want. But don't you think that it kind of have you ever thought that it kind of appears that way? You know, and it looks like it's that way by design, but really, is it just that way and that we think it's that way and, and they just keep doing it because they're pushing some other agenda that has nothing to do with, oh, they can't get anything passed because they don't agree. Okay, let me try to break down what you said. Um, can you give examples like, well, okay, put it this way. Are, is the war machine still going to roll on? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that, that's not going to stop. Because uh, remember, these budgets that get voted on for the intelligence community get voted on blind. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not a, that's anybody who knows anything knows that when it goes before the committees, they're voting on funding. They don't know how much they're going to vote on when it comes to these black ops that we're running mm-hmm. in other countries. Where and I don't say we, they are running when they're you know capturing and torturing people and doing all sorts of terrible things all over the place. Um, but do I think that um, is there a larger agenda? Like, can you give an example? Let's let's give the audience an example of what you're talking about. Okay, so it's always the same. So you know, Republican or Democrat, mm-hmm. like one of them's in the office. So in this mm-hmm. situation, it happens to be a Democrat. Okay. Then everybody votes Republican, mm-hmm. right? But why is it always such a shift back and forth? Like, and if voting really isn't real and it's rigged, don't you think that system is rigged to do the exact opposite to make you think that they're at odds because they can't get along, but they're all in agreement pushing an agenda that they already know what it is, whatever that agenda might be, whether that be the war machine, whether that be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
to help out big pharma to mm-hmm. push whatever whoever's going to give them money you know what i think that the obviously you know how i feel about voting I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure in like state elections how it works locally but when it comes to these large federal elections maybe it is all it really is you know we're we're, we're keeping the drama going and keeping the theater going mm-hmm. because if we look at it from let's say we're going to look at this uh, we're going to analyze the, from a party perspective what happened to Barack if you guys remember in 2010 they passed the Affordable Care Act which was widely unpopular because it was written by the insurance companies. It wasn't even like socialist medicine. Like it wasn't even socialized. It was written by the insurance companies. So that further debunks the conservative narrative that Mr. Obama was a communist or socialist. No, no, no. He's a corporatist. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's company man. Okay. He's definitely no lefty. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not true. Um, The war machine kept going, uh, the banks got the money, and the insurance companies were the beneficiaries of a healthcare law that was supposed to help the common man, which it really hasn't. Let's be frank. Um, So he made a mistake when the Republicans, I think, got the largest victory in the history of, uh, in the electoral history, excuse me, by taking them, like the sweeping the most seats. And then you had gridlock. And then in 2014, I believe, they took control of the Senate. Uh, Barack kept on message because if you look at like, if you go back in time, I know this is, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff, but when Clinton lost his majority, remember this was in 1993 mm-hmm. and then at 90, 1994, that's when that, uh, specific, uh, congressional class took over. They had just passed uh gun con- sweeping gun control. Okay. They did the AWB, the assault weapons ban. Uh, they did a lot of unpopular things. Uh, and then the people, if you know, if we're playing the game, if this is really working, they swept them out of office quickly. Bill Clinton, during his um, uh, State of the Union address, said, we hear you loud and clearly. He moved to the center he, because Bill wanted to be president more than anything. His ideology was second to his desire to keep power. Mm-hmm. So what happened? You saw a balanced budget. People love to credit Bill Clinton for balancing the budget. That's not the, res- the responsibility of the executive. I hate to tell you guys that. That's the responsibility of the Congress. Okay, That's the power of the purse. They have the power to, the, of the budget. The, the budget is in their hands. Okay, No matter how many times they punt the ball to the executive, they still have that power. Mm-hmm. Okay, So they, quote, work together. They did welfare reform. Uh, they did a number of things that were, you know, that that worked together. Plus, like I said, Bill wanted to be in charge. When you have somebody like Barack Obama, Barack Obama was an ideologue, and he was like, he kept remember he kept saying, you know, people weren't listening, they weren't getting the message. Still, mm-hmm. well, no, they got the message. They just didn't like what you had to say. And I know a lot of political scientists will tell you the reason why this happens is because Americans like divided government because it slows things down. I think you're giving the voting public way too much credit. I don't think they like divided government as much as they vote. You know, maybe if the, if the votes count, maybe it's they're angry, like they're not getting their result fast enough. So they're going to give it to somebody else, which in turn slows down the machine even further. You know what I mean? Maybe it is true. Maybe the, the people do like divided government. Like we just uh, told the audience about how I think it's great when they all when, you know, the House is divided uh, or excuse me, the Congress is divided between the House and the Senate. One party has total control. The other party has total control. And the douchebag at 1600 can't sign anything to law because they can't get along because nothing will get passed. I think it's brilliant. 
the, the more we can lock that fucker up and throw a little bit of molasses in there and slow that son of a bitch down, the better it is for everybody. Um, but is it really my question? Go ahead, Chris. I think it speaks more to like the polarization of say, like, like culture in general, like we're not a unified culture across the country, no matter how much people might want to try and cling to that idea. But we're, there's a multitude of like drastically different, like cult, like just like people's cultural values. And, and I think that that, that is a reflection of, of you know, the, the divided government would be a reflection of that. Because, okay. um, I mean, you know, as as we've all heard said numerous times that like politics is downstream of culture. So Yes, 100 percent. By, by the time you get to the political aspect of it, like politics is just a reflection of the culture. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, and so I think, you know, the whole divided government and, and things shifting like that, I just think that speaks to, you know, like the divide of culture within within our country. Fair enough. That's my two cents. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Go ahead, Angel. What were you going to say? Um, well, I guess my my question really is, is it being slowed down? Whatever that it or is it just appearing to be slowed down? Because the same shit keeps happening over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Nothing changes. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter who's in charge. The same shit continues to happen. Mm -hmm. So is anything really being slowed down is the question by these antics? You know something? I think that you bring up a great point. And to more to your point, look at what happened in uh, Minnesota. After all this defund the police nonsense, uh, which we knew was nonsense, not because I think it's nonsense. I think it's I think it's a great idea. Uh, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the uh, the country, if you know, once again, we're going to play the game where these elections and votes matter. The people elected a guy who wrote the 1994 crime bill and a fucking cop from California who kept people in prison when they could have been exonerated. Uh, you know, we've covered this ad nauseum on this show, For right? Free labor. Mm -hmm. For free labor. Okay. Exactly and then, yes. And then uh, you have this example right here uh, that there was the voters in a heavily Democratic uh, uh, voting demographic. And I mean, heavy, like, I mean, just look at the, 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 the demographic breakdown of Minneapolis. You, like, there, they, if, you, if you have an R next to your name, you don't have a very good chance of winning fucking dog catcher. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Um, but they, uh, they just said, no, we're not going to defund the police which I, I i was really surprised by that one um, they just they they want to continue to get murdered i guess so that's fine if that's what they want agreed. i mean everybody chooses their poison i guess yeah no you're right you're right so that's uh, our take from that point let's get to the next point a new template for republican victories this one's a little bit interesting Youngkin handled the issue of former President Trump with surprising deafness, particularly for a first-time candidate. He accepted the endorsement of Trump and was careful not to alienate the former president's supporters. But he also kept Trump at arm's length, especially in the closing stretches of the general election campaign. Trump never campaigned in person with Youngkin, and the Republican gubernatorial candidate also hit out when a rally hosted by Trump allies purportedly used a flag uh, from the rally that immediately preceded the January 6th insurrection. Christ. 
Um, okay. They're never going to let that go. No, no, no matter how many of us know that it was not an insurrection. Youngkin's campaign commercials portrayed him as an affable family man who was uh, tonally far removed from Trump's belligerence, even if he did favor some of the same policies. Youngkin is the first GOP candidate to have real success with what they term a post-Trump strategy. That's something that will give hope to those members of the party who want to move on from former President Trump without condemning themselves to the marginalization that Trump's fiercest internal foes have suffered. Okay, let's let me go ahead and get started here. First of all, this template, Trump, Trump's method of attack worked only when his when his opponent was was even more hated than he was. That's the only time Mm -hmm. that's going to work was when his like if he ran against Bernie Sanders. We're not having this conversation, okay? Right. Bernie Sanders flogs his ass without a problem, okay? A hundred percent. We already know I have the documents. The DNC fixed the uh, the vote for Hillary Clinton. We already know all that. Like it's not even a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. They murdered Seth Rich, uh, who brought who brought forward the emails and all of the conspiracy that was actually going on—a genuine conspiracy against uh, Bernard. Um, that the, the, his tactics only work when Hillary Clinton is your opponent because you can you can that, that gives you a lot of room right. but when you're when you when she is not your opponent and that's the that's the biggest takeaway that I get the strategy is this you can act like a belligerent asshole when the guy or girl you're running against is literally hated like the devil mm-hmm. okay because a lot of people really didn't have a good like i don't know i know the ladies want a female president and good luck to you i'm sure it's going to happen at some point in time and she'll do just as terribly as the white uh, males and the half black half white guy did before the guy that you know, before trump they're all going to suck ass you none of you are going to get it right but that's not the point the point here is this she, people don't realize how much hillary clinton was despised like we everybody knew remember she, she she found her Jewish roots when she ran for a uh, fucking uh, senator in New York. She's she's from fucking Illinois. OK, she's she's not Jewish. She's from a Methodist family in Illinois, a middle class. And then the local guy, the, the, the like he's a great basketball player, but he's a complete fucking moron. LeBron James was campaigning for an Akron talking about how she understands the plight of uh, of, of urban people. Like, LeBron, are you fucking high on your own diarrhea? What are you talking about? <laughs> she has no idea what you went through. None of them. that jinkum. <laughs> Jesus, tap dancing Christ. I mean, I that know, was right? something else, dude. So, yeah, so people, but that works. But when your opponent is not her, it really fails miserably. Uh, there's a lot of things that I could go into with how bad he did as far as like, I mean, I think losing to a dementia patient is really, really shows you just how far you had fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping him at arm's length, I think, is a good strategy. I think not even having any affiliation. If I were a candidate, I wouldn't want anything to do with that guy, because even though you have a and believe me, his supporters are loud and obnoxious, but they're a minority of the party. Okay, they're not the majority. It's the minority that always makes the loudest noise. Like, uh, what is it, the squad? The Most of the Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, who's shit-faced all the time, I guarantee you she hates that commie bitch, AOC. I guarantee you she hates her, okay? Because remember, this isn't about ideology for most of these people. It's about power and money. She's made. She, she's worth $80 million, Nancy Pelosi, $80 million by being a public servant. 
Okay. I mean, sure. Whatever. It was really from insider trading, but all right. Yeah, but all right. Sure. Yeah. yeah so right. uh, I want to turn it over to you guys. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that uh, this is uh, a template for future um, Republican victories? Do you think that embracing Trump is a problem? Do you think that uh, attaching him kind of way this guy did, but not, you know, hanging out with him in person? What do you think? I'm so tired of hearing Trump's name. <laughs> like, if yeah. you want me to be totally honest. Oh, that's um, fine. And, and it's on both sides, because, like, I understand what you're talking about, how there's, like, like, it's really, like, a, mini- mi- a minority of his supporters that are, like, the loud, belligerent fucking pricks. Mm-hmm. But that, then, like, the polar opposite of, like, the people that hated him so much that suffered from what people refer to as TDS or Trump mm-hmm. derangement system. Like, I'm just so fucking tired of everything. Like, say what you will about that guy. I dislike Trump. I think he was a fucking goddamn buffoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the polarizing effect that he's had on people is long fucking lasting, man. And I'm just, I'm just, like, I'm so tired. Like, even, like, coining the term, like, a post-Trump strategy. Like, just stop using his fucking name shut up yeah quit saying it (laughs) like you 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 give too much power to it and it i I don't know i'm just like i'm just i'm so tired of it like i've got like this one fella that like and an older dude so like i I try not like i i just ignore it most of the time but that's all he (laughs) did like that's all he does is just send me like anti-trump memes like and let's say (laughs) Every day, every day. And it's like the dude's been out of office for almost a fucking year now. Like, you can stop. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm at that point that, like, I really want to tell him, like, I'm to, like, find something else to obsess over. Dude. He, hasn't, he hasn't been president for a fucking year. I'm tired of it. Like, right. it's not funny to me. Like, I've had to, I've had to put the messages on mute because I don't have, like, like, because he really is. Because, like, uh, like, uh, like. In real life, like he's he's a nice dude. I like him. I get along. You know, I can get along sure. with him in person and stuff. But it's just like I'd probably hurt his feelings if I told him that. You know, because like I get it. He's an older bloke. He's retired. He's got nothing going on. So he just sends me two, three, four, five anti-Trump memes a day every day, and it's just like just stop. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so tired. Like just get over it. Stop. Your life. You know, Congratulations, we have a fucking pants shitting dementia pre- patient for president. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. let's stop. But, but like, I, I mean, I can, I can definitely see how because of that. So, a- end rant, and I apologize. My Not rant is over. But because of that, I could see how, you know, if, if, if we're playing the game like it's for real and we're playing for keeps, that mm. distancing yourself from trump for most of them is probably a a good strategy um just to keep not not even not even to like distance yourself from his supporters but to keep the people that are foaming at the mouth still raging over him right just just to keep that fucking monkey off your back you know yeah for sure uh, so so i definitely see how that is like a viable strategy going forward and them having to distance themselves from him uh but yeah like, like i said i'm just i'm so tired of hearing the dude's fucking name 
Uh, well, unfortunately, well, go ahead, Angel, because I do have, unfortunately, he's going to come up again. So go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I honestly think that since, you know, he was president and the, the mudslinging that went back mm -hmm. and forth, I think it's impossible for anything else to occur going forward. So I think any Republican that, that runs against, you know, that, so whoever runs against Joe Biden, whether it be Trump and he makes it all the way through or somebody else, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be that level of shenanigans because it was so successful and and he Trump kind of made that. And but it is because Hillary was hated so much, you know, and he did say some funny shit like he did call that one lady horse face. And I, <laughs> you know, like I will never forget that that shit cracked me up. You know what I mean? I'm like, did he really just say horse face? Like because like you didn't expect that uh, past presidents really didn't speak in that in that you know mm -hmm. fashion so it was kind of funny the things that he would say like i would laugh at him because i was kind of like surprised but then they were also funny like he yeah. called a porn star fucking horse face it is funny you know what i mean like it's funny sure. yeah I, I it mean, is i don't know i i i am getting sick of hearing about him i'll be honest but like I just don't think it's ever going to go away, no matter. No, I, I, I don't think it is either. And that's I think that's part of why it irritates me so much is because I, I do. I understand that it's it's never going away. Like, no, it's, <laughs> it, it isn't. And, and, it, and no. that's part of the reason why it's so aggravating, because I'm just so tired of hearing that dude's name and people like people still obsessing over this guy, man. Like I, yeah, like I said that. I got somebody that sends me fucking five anti-Trump memes a day. And it's like the dude hasn't even been in office for almost a year. He's been booted from Twitter for almost a year. Like, yeah, like, and he's, like, like he's you know, like he lives, he lives yeah. rent free in people's minds. Yeah, like, he sure does. If I, if I give that dude credit for anything, it's the fact that he lives fucking rent free in people's minds. No and, question. And there's people that obsess over it. So if that was like, if that was your goal, you know, bravo, dude, you get a standing ovation because you achieved that. Like truly and three, my man. Truly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I hate to tell you guys, but uh, the, the fifth point, the fifth point in this article, I'm going to jump to the fifth point. You we'll cover the fourth. son of a bitch. <laughs> Trump claims credit. The fact that Youngkin kept his distance from Comrade Trump did not discourage the former president from issuing two separate statements <laughs> as the Republican candidate's lead grew on Tuesday night. Quote, I would like to thank my base, in all capital letters, base, for coming out in force and voting for Glenn Youngkin. Without you, he would not have been close to winning, Trump said in the second statement. The MAGA movement is bigger and stronger than ever before. There are real questions as to whether that is true. Trump's statements sounded gloating, but they also betrayed a concern that the GOP writ large may have found a way to win without him. And I agree. They did find a way to win without him. Mm -hmm. um, they don't need him. And in fact, I again, I wouldn't want anything to do with the guy if I'm in that Republican shoes, to be honest with you. Not at no. all. Like, no, that's uh, like the like a fucking scarlet letter. <laughs> yeah, truly. No, that, that's a great way to look at it. So. I'm not surprised by that take um, at all uh, by Mr. Trump, because, 
he wants to keep himself relevant and he always issues these a statement from donald j trump 45th president of the united states like he he has to tweet via email like it's, it's so funny it's so, <laughs> it's so good they're gonna mail it in um okay and then the final point from this article is culture wars keep getting hotter education was one of the dominant issues uh virginia's race closing stages but really the label that was a catch-all term for several even more emotive topics that got traction with moderates as well as social conservatives. Resistance to vaccine mandates in schools, a backlash against progressive demands about how American history is taught, and an increasingly politicized atmosphere around school boards all played a part. Democrats urged some of those attacks were simply unfair or worse. McAuliffe accused Youngkin of using a racist dog whistle in a controversy over teaching uh, the teaching of the Tony Morrison novel Beloved. The problem for Democrats is that the general electorate may be a good deal less progressive on all of these issues than liberal Twitter might like to think. It's a great point. Former President Obama strategist David Axelrod asserted on CNN that Youngkin had been a very had been very good at creating a straw man on issues like critical race theory, which is not officially taught in any Virginia public schools. But Axelrod also noted that the attacks have been effective. Okay. That's the final point from this article. Let's go ahead and take a look at this. So I the one thing I do agree with, like I said, is that the problem for Democrats is that the general electorate may not be may be a good deal less progressive on these issues than liberal Twitter might like to think. Well, when you're talking to the same fucking people over and over again and they're validating your narrative over and over again, you're going to get a very skewed vision of what you're dealing with you're not but, really going to know your opponent that well but isn't it twitter also biased because if you don't go along with that then you'll also get banned off of it so if you want to stay on twitter you better just keep saying that other shit even if you don't believe it right uh, maybe but i think that's more about keeping your party card than it is the twitter machine because we run our mouths on twitter and we have in the past and you know it's not i don't th maybe in their circle i guess but once again i think that comes back to party discipline i think that keeps with you know, the progressive caucus, the progressive movement inside the Democratic Party is a, is a minority. It's not the majority of them. OK, mm -hmm. but they're the loudest. They get the most attention on PMSNBC, on uh, CNN and all these other ridiculous outlets. That's going to get you the 22nd uh, uh, sound bites that are going to go across the country. So they want to avoid being caught in the crosshairs of like the squad and these other uh, more progressive and I would label them probably more leftist or uh, uh, movements within this big tent uh, of progressive uh, or excuse me, the Democratic Party. So um, creating a straw man. Well, I think all politicians create straw men in order to uh, achieve their political goals. OK, I mean, that's I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, I think that. If I were a Democratic strategist, I would definitely stop thinking that what I'm doing is right and I haven't said it often enough and start to completely re-message and at least try to move a little bit more with the wind the way it's blowing because it's not very good uh, for them. Um, what do you guys think? Because we we're going to look at the demographics next. If I was a Democratic strategist, mm -hmm. I would probably ask other people that are democrats that that aren't you know directly close to me maybe try and find some of these people that aren't um those loud progressives that you just mentioned mm -hmm. and and see what they have to say and then you know maybe try to talk to some of the other people that are the louder progressives and say hey do you know some other people in our party are saying this and 
you know, they're not racist and they're not, you know, mm -hmm. so what, what do you think about that? I mean, I would re messaging. Yes. I mean, I guess that is a sort of way to re message, but right. I would just try to ask somebody else that maybe was different from me that, okay. you know, isn't a racist. Like, I don't know. Is there anybody that aren't, that aren't Democrats that aren't labeled racist anymore? Can, can you even do that? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, what do you What do you take away from this, Chris? If anything at all? If I were a Democratic strategist, I'd back away from the fake woke messaging. Uh, you know, which you know, talk you know, back into the whole you know, everybody's mm -hmm. racist and and blah blah blah. Because the vast majority of people just aren't on board with that shit, man. And people are getting tired of hearing about it. And that's why that's why I think like this whole cultural pendulum, if it, 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 it is on the verge of swinging back in the other direction, because it's gone too far in one, yeah, one direction. And if it doesn't swing back in the other direction, it's going to get pretty fucking ugly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I would like changing messaging probably a pretty fucking good idea what that messaging should look like. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I'm not a fucking Democrat. Um, sure. But, but, you know, like what you're doing now ain't working. <laughs> Definitely not. At, at least at least on certain subjects. You know what I mean? So Sure. Sure. Um, to take a look at the um, the demographics. So these are the exit polls. OK. Forty eight percent of men uh, and 52 percent comprise the electorate that participated men voted for the republican candidate uh, uh 56% and leaving 44% for the uh democrat females uh 46% of them supported the conservative candidate and 53% supported the liberal candidate this is where it gets interesting so race 73% of the electorate is white and 62% of those people voted for the republican while 38% voted for the democrat black folks are 16% and 86% voted for the Democrat and 13% voted for the conservative. Hispanic and Latino, or 5% of the population, 66% voted for the Democrat, 32% voted for the Republican. And those lines pretty much stay the same with Asians, who Asian uh, folk who are 3%, 67% of them voted for the uh, progressive and 33% voted for the conservative. So let's go down here. This is where I think I start to see how the party is going to start to break down in the future. Okay. So which best describes the education that you have never attended college is 15% out of that category, 61% voted for the conservative and 38% voted for the liberal attended college, but received no degree is 24% of the electorate. 58% of those folks voted for the conservative and 41% voted for the liberal. An associate's degree, 12% of the electorate, 58% voted for uh, the Republican and 42% voted for the Democrat. Bachelor degree, 44% voted for the conservative, 55% voted for the Democrat. And advanced degrees uh, such as a master's, a juris doctor, an MBA, MA, MD, PhD, 60% voted for the Democrat, 40% voted for the Republican. So when people talk about a party switch, I think it has far less to do with Nixon's Southern strategy and all that other shit that happened in 68 or whatever it was. Uh, I think it has more to do with 
you're going to see like the Democrats used to be the party that represented like the working class and the working poor. And the Republicans are kind of the country club fuckers. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're not still country club fuckers. They clearly are. But I think that this is going to be a permanent shift to where poor working class individuals, blue collar people are going to support the conservative, which is kind of it's interesting to look at it that way, because generally speaking, blue collar movements and working class people have far greater support for unionization. The Republicans are not known for being friendly towards unions at all Uh, i mean not really and of course the democrats i wouldn't call them friendly but they at least pay them lip service and they get the endorsements and all that other good stuff from like the afl cio and and the teamsters and whatnot so i think that that's what you're going to see is a big permanent shift along along education and income i think that you're going to see more college graduates are going to continue to vote for uh lefties and i think that you're going to see people who are you know working class individuals people who have uh who are lower on the economic totem pole are going to be voting for conservatives why is that i think that if you throw around words like taxes the liberals will have a very good time explaining to you how your taxes are broken down and paying for this and paying for that and having to fix this and have to fix that well i think that working class people look at their paycheck and see how they're getting fucked really hard mm-hmm. and they're not really seeing anything out of it because you're dealing with an idealist when you have somebody who's a, a, a liberal and a, a product of, 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 you know, the university education at a high level. It's like, well, you know, you know, it's not a perfect system, but it's the one we have. They will always hear that from them. And I think that the, the people who are at the bottom economically are going to be looking at their paychecks saying, look at all the money you're taking away from me. And I have less buying power. My money's less worth less. And you're telling me all these grand ideas about how my money's getting spent. I'm not seeing any, 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 you know, result from that extortion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe that's where that comes from. They feel that conservatives will try to keep more money in their pocket, even though the money's going to continue to be worth less and worthless. Um, worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Totally worthless. So I think that that's something that we'll see. I, I, I personally believe that's more of a permanent shift, that it's going to stay that way. And I think that's going to cause more of the working class people to hate those in education and who have higher advanced degrees even more so. Um, the universities are not known to produce individuals with these advanced degrees, at least the majority of the time, that can at least sympathize and empathize with individuals on the bottom. They feel they have a duty and a responsibility to rule over them, to direct them, and to keep them in their place. I know that some people might disagree with that. I have a little personal experience with this. I can tell you that's how it is. Okay? They feel that they are part of the ruling class because the university is, once again, one of those pillars, one of those institutions that holds up this entire system. Okay? So um, those were interesting demographics. I thought I thought that it was... Uh, need to see how things start to skew and break down depending on what we're looking at long ethnic racial and ethnic lines sure but i think education is one where we see a real demonstrable shift once we start looking at advanced degrees i just always find that very fascinating how that works so um with that uh interesting uh bit there's a cool thing i want to round out with the that um you know i think is really awesome is that this uh, individual who won the uh lieutenant governor uh spot her name is winsome sears and she's an african-american lady uh she defeated uh democrat hala ayala what a name hala that sounds like a rap song uh 
Sears is the first black woman elected to a statewide office in Virginia. I mean, that's okay. That's an accomplishment. Elias is a state lawmaker in the House of Delegates, and Sears is a former legislator. Former Republican uh, Delegate Winsome Sears uh, won. A Democratic uh, member of Virginia House of Delegates, Hyala, lost Tuesday's race for lieutenant governor. Made history as the first black, uh, black uh, Republican woman elected to the House in 2002. She ousted the 20-year uh, Democratic incumbent, Virginia's 90th district, William Robinson, a Jamaican immigrant. She also became the first naturalized U.S. citizen to serve in the House. She's also the first woman of color to be elected to statewide office of Virginia, where politics historically dominated white men. 2004, Sears unsuccessfully challenged longtime Democratic uh, Representative Bobby Scott of Virginia's 3rd Congressional District. Took another run at federal office 2018 as a write-in alternative to Republican senatorial candidate Corey Stewart lost the race. She, uh, Sears is a former U.S. Marine, former Vice President of Virginia's State Board of Education, a former di- uh, director of a woman's homeless shelter. Her campaign sought to create more jobs, lower taxes, also strengthen state schools. What's also interesting about this lady, there is a picture of her holding an AR-15 with excellent gun discipline. I think that this is a great reversal. I mean, if we're going to play the game, a great reversal on the fortunes of gun owners in the Commonwealth of Virginia, which I can only see as a positive. Um, I like it when people roll back, or at least there's a rollback or a pushback against um, you know, the gun grabbing that you have a tendency to see on the left side of the spectrum. So good for her. Um, she's uh, she's very fired up. She's ready to get to work, I guess. That's wonderful. As long as they leave people alone, I think that'd be great. I think, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment for her in general, I think, uh, for an immigrant uh, such as herself, and you never gave up and made history. So good for her. Um, I don't think anything legislatively is going to be done that really benefits people, but uh, she likes guns, which means that we at least have that in common with he- with each other. So I um I don't have anything else. Uh, if you guys have anything before we round out the show, or oh, before I forget, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Chris uh, for inviting us to the Agents of Apathy show at the Vortex. Had a great time. It was a great set. Uh, the staff had trouble getting the mics to get uh, the bass drum right on the drum kit, but once once they did, uh, it was a great great set. Had a great time. The band sounded fantastic. Um, if th- those of you missed out, um, it was uh, very cool. It awesome sound system there at the vortex i was like uh our one buddy took a a video of one of our songs and it was like i'm i'm always like i'm super critical of like everything like i'm never i'm never satisfied with any performance i'm like oh like we could have done this and this and this better sure but like i actually heard the video of one of the songs that we played at that show and i'm like damn like that that sounds pretty good. Like, <laughs> like awesome. I don't do that often. I was like, that sounded pretty good. That's very awesome. It was a great. It was a great set. It was great to be there. It is a former strip club uh, confirmed. Um, it made sense with all the mirrors and <laughs> the way the floor, the layout was. But, but it was great to be there um, and hang out. Angel made it out, obviously too. Um, we had a great time. We look forward to another show there. So. Um, very cool. Thanks to the Agents of Apathy for the invite. But uh, does anybody have anything else before we depart? There is no quiz time this week. No quiz time. They, we can't, you know, too much of a good doesn't thing. Make, doesn't make sense with just two of us. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we, 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 need, we, need a, we need a third person. I since we got since, since we got Jay playing the DM over there. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully quiz time will be back next week. But uh, do you have anything else, Angel, before we depart? 
No, I don't have anything else. Okay. All right. Christopher, do you have anything? Nope. Nothing of value to add, my friend. All right. Fair enough. Um, once again, at the end of the show, I'd like to thank our other sponsors. I paint Akron, Northeast Ohio art parties where all accidents are happy accidents. Of course, Ray Fava, uh, fine art and design from the Great Lakes and Team Mandalore, who keeps cycling very weird. Um, uh, we're very grateful for all of them uh, for being sponsors of the show. But ladies and gentlemen, that time has come in the show. It really has. Spooky season has come and gone. However, there are plenty of spooky assholes that still remain out there in the hoi polloi, smelly, disgusting asses. You have a dirty undercarriage. Are you still sweating? You know, you're out on the docks like I am working on loading trucks, doing things like that. You're going to develop some underboob sweat, maybe some fat fold sweat, things like that. Not good. Not good, especially with the holidays coming up. What big holiday that's coming up next is, of course, Thanksgiving. We'd like to give thanks to Todd's Gay Soap for giving us the ability to clean our assholes, armpits, undercarriage deep, deep inside those lint infested fucking belly buttons that some of you have. You know, deep stinks can be, uh, you know, solved with Todd's Gay Soap. You know, don't let this be an incident where you're sitting around the dinner table and where you're supposed to be trying to radicalize your family who gave you guys a homework assignment. And somebody leans over and they get a whiff of your ass instead of the delicious turkey and all of the, the stuffing and the dressing and all of the wonderful smells that come from Thanksgiving. You should not be contributing to any negative smells. We can help that and Todd can help that. From AkronApothecary.com, Gay Soap. For every asshole, trans, gay, straight, black, white, we don't give a fuck. We're here to help you smell good for that special someone. Maybe you're visiting somebody at Thanksgiving. You're going to go with your wife's family for the first time. And if you're, you know, you want to make a good impression with the family, you're going to meet grandma. She's got a little mustache going because she doesn't care anymore. You got grandpa over there who's, you know, more focused on the football. But you're around her parents and stuff. Maybe you're the in-laws. You want to smell good. You don't want them walking away and sending that text when you're in the car. You know what I mean? When you get in the car and instead of the, hey, it was great to see you drive home safe. Instead, your spouse or your special someone gets that text message. Hey, listen, I didn't want to say anything in front of you, but um, your other half smells like shit. You don't want to be that guy. Okay? You don't want that to happen at a holiday like Thanksgiving. One of the most holy yeah. holidays. Get rid of that badissy smell. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> Todd Soap, Akron Apothecary Gay Soap is... Soap for that ass. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you guys for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe across all the platforms. Give us a nice review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Appreciate all the support. Shout out to Comrade Klaus. I haven't heard back from you. I don't know if you got married or not, but you got to get in touch with me because I still got this fucking spreadsheet up. We got a lot of work to do, my friend. Thank you very much to all the loyal listeners. Uh, behind enemy lines everywhere you are our international audience very appreciative of you guys listening uh don't forget to contact us use guys in that gmail.com don't forget to check out the blog and buy a fucking t-shirt and help me uh with with your purchase to keep the lights on in the studio here in the bunker thanks a lot everybody have a great week and we will talk to you soon okay bye bye peace